Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Mayor Lawyer Lightfoot in the city of Chicago decided we got to do something about our statues and memorials. You know, that's at the top of the list after Columbus Statue Gate. Uh, and so she's made an announcement that uh, the city's going to study and investigate. And when, I, when she did it, I said, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call Andrew Schneider. Cheat, 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 cheat. That's me calling him on the phone. Cheat, cheat. Andrew, can you come on the show, the world's smartest preservationist, and talk about this? Sure thing. So here he is making a return to the Ben Jarowski Show. Andrew Schneider, welcome to the show, young man. Oh, thank you, Ben. I'm always glad to be here. Uh, Andrew Schneider has a great uh, radio voice, and he's exceedingly knowledgeable about Chicago history. He's the president of the Logan Square Preservation Association. Uh, he knows more about statues and memorials than any man alive. Well, statues and memorials in the city of Chicago than any man or woman alive. Uh, I could say that knowing that there's really no way to prove it, so why not You know, say it anyway? Uh, really very boosterish of you, Ben, and I, uh, I, doubt, I really truly doubt the veracity but you know, uh, let's just let's just run with it at this point. Let's, let's run with it, and uh, he's also thinking. I'm gonna let this cat out of the bag. Hold on, get over here, bag. Open bag. That's the cat. Oh, cat, get back! Whoa. Oh, you are killing it on the sound effects, man. <laughs> I know, these, these sound effects. It's like the guy from Police Academy. Uh, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. Young Andrew Schneider is thinking of having his own podcast. Uh, tell the people about this. Well, uh, you know, after several after several appearances on your show uh, and and hearing that people enjoyed listening to me for some bizarre reason, you know, being married for about uh, boy, what is it, twelve years now? Um, I, I've I've learned that my what I once thought was a good captive audience may be captive, but uh, you know, captive <laughs> audience is hardly the sort of thing you want to want to run with uh, as often as I'd like to speak on things. So uh, my wife is tired of listening to me opine on on various subjects, and uh, it, as it turns out, your audience and seems to enjoy my opinions and uh dennis you know what what's what do we call him white lightning right white lightning yes, called white me lightning. up white lightning. he called me up and said you know we should really consider a podcast so we're walking we're dennis and i are working through uh putting together a whole series of episodes maybe you know get get eight ten in the bag here or in the can i suppose of uh various topics including preservation chicago history those those sorts of things. We're still working on a on a, on a working. We got like a couple of different working titles, but we're not quite sure. Uh, I had somebody suggest today here today gone tomorrow, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm, but, uh, wow, we're, I really we're, like we're, we're that. With, that's pretty yeah. good, right, Dennis? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're working on. We're still workshopping the title, but hopefully we'll be able to to make a podcast that's 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 pretty good. That's going to bring some voices into Chicago history and preservation that you don't hear from too often, and you know, make, uh, do some laser focus on some, some issues. Uh, and you know, something like, uh, something that a lot of people I, I understand from talking to on the street are bored by, but you know, there's an audience for everything. That's what they say. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, uh, with that, let's get to an issue that sort of galvanized, uh, the thought of preservation in Chicago. And that has to do with the Columbus statues. Uh, the last time you we were in the show, we hadn't had the showdown 
uh, with the Columbus statue where uh, defenders of the statue had surrounded it and protesters uh, were demanding that it come down. Uh, ultimately, uh, Lori Lightfoot. Why, why don't you tell the story a little bit, Andrew, of what went sure. down? Uh, sure. I, I watched most of it on Twitter. Um, again, I, wife and three kids, so I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, nearly as able to protest as, as I once was. But um, th- there was a uh, there was a big confrontation in Grant Park. There were a whole series, of course, of demonstrations around the Columbus statue in Grant Park. This is the statue that was dedicated by the Italian-American community in uh, sort of conjunction or, or uh, lining up with the 1933 World's Fair and celebrating Italian-American culture. Um, and uh, there, there have been suggestions, of course, that the statue representing strength, which happens to hold a, a fasces, which if you don't know what that is, is a symbol of Roman authority. It was carried by lictors uh, ahead, of, ahead of, of praetors and consuls in the Roman Empire, or Roman Republic, rather. Uh, and also, of course, gives us the root uh, of the word fascism. Uh, strength that appears in the monument, some people say, bears a, bears a passing resemblance to uh, Benito Mussolini himself, though the sculptor's son uh, said his father uh, up and down denied that that was Mussolini. Uh, still, the Columbus and, and the baggage that's associated with him has has obviously generated an enormous amount of protest activity uh, in Grant Park mostly, but then it's been vandalized in Columbus, uh, forgive me, Arrigo Park as well. The uh, the really old Columbus statue, the one from the 1893 World's Fair is in Arrigo Park. And uh, so Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, after a confrontation that involves some really organized um Boy, I, I'm not sure what to call them, but they definitely had umbrellas and, and, and black hoodies and they were, you know, there were objects thrown at the police and whatnot. And so finally it was and then they did get a rope around the statue as well. They managed to get a rope around the statue before Chicago police came back in and uh, they managed to start. They started tugging. They started tugging. And then Chicago police uh, sort of reengaged, I guess, is, is a friendly way to put it. And uh, maybe that's an understatement. And the protesters, uh, anyway, as a consequence, they did not succeed in pulling the statue down. But uh, at that point, Mayor Lightfoot decided maybe the that the discretion, the discreet uh, option, discretion being the better part of valor, would be to remove these statues from public view. And so, uh, the Grant Park one has been removed from public view. I do know where it. Uh, I've heard rumors about where it's squirreled away, uh, but it's gone. Arrigo Park is gone, and then finally, the one down at uh, on Exchange or down on the southeast side has also been removed from public All view. Right. Let, let's just take a moment uh, to talk about that last one. Uh, I, I get kind of a, a perverse delight in this. Uh, there was, as Andrew was pointing out, this, and this underscores the theme of Andrew's first uh, uh, appearance on the show when we talked about this about a month ago, where we talked about how so little is known about the statues and memorials that exist in Chicago not only where they are, but why they're where they are and how they get moved around. So, so all this attention was focused on the Grant Park Columbus statue and the statue that's on the near west side uh, and in Little Italy. And nobody seemed to know that there was also a Columbus statue on the far southeast side, the portion of Chicago off the expressway as you're heading out of the city, going to Indiana. My old pal uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza is the older woman of the 10th Ward, far southeast side. It might as well not exist as far as three quarters of Chicago is concerned. People are enraged about the statues in Grant Park, and they didn't know there's a southeast side, and then they find out about it. My beloved Bright One wrote an article about it, Andrew, and then everybody is like, like I don't know. It's I really not like Chicago. I mean, yeah, is that, is like, that Chicago? Do we have we have authority down there? Yeah, I mean, we have authority. Uh, that's not it's a like if Indiana has one. I don't know. What do I care? If Hammond, Indiana. 
Yeah, I got it. What was your reaction? I kind of chuckled when I saw that one, Andrew. Well, I, I, I absolutely chuckled. I, if, if you haven't, uh, there are those of us who, who like to just sort of drive around Chicago, look at the city and, and, and experience it. That, of course, is down by uh, people don't even know the, the, the Columbus statue in question way down there on the southeast side. It's really near to uh, Bowen High School, which is a uh, it's a it's a it's a twin or of, of Shores High School, which everybody, you know, Shores is, of course, one of these glorious uh, Dwight Perkins designed high schools. Everybody knows Shores, right at Addison and Milwaukee, but there's a twin of it down right, right there by the, by the Columbus statue, just very, very proximate to the Columbus statue. And everybody talks about Shores and nobody talks about the one on the Southeast side, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's the, you know, it's a big, uh, it's a, it's a statue sitting next to a giant sort of Gothic or neo-Gothic monument. It's a big carved stone thing. And it's, you know, it sits in the middle of a bunch of traffic and everybody breezes on by it. And I don't think people linger there. It's, you know, you definitely get a lot of car fumes if you're going to linger in the middle of a traffic island there by the monument. But uh, yeah, I I knew it was there and I got a good chuckle too, right? Not not only because nobody knew it was there, but it makes me wonder sometimes if people understand just how big Chicago is. You know, they didn't, oh, wait a second. That's still Chicago down there by Indiana? (laughs) Chicago's all the way? Down there? Yeah. 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 It's funny. Sue Garza was funny when she said in the paper, she goes, Yes, I've been getting calls from some people who want the statue removed, including some people in my family want the statue removed. Uh, People may realize that Sue Salowski Garza comes from a very lefty family. So she was probably getting a lot of grief from at the dinner table. Ma, move that statue. Uh, By the way, (laughs) once they realized it was Columbus. Yeah, once they realized it was Columbus. All right, wait a minute. Andrew Schneider, you, you know, you kind of. just skated over that little point there. I can't let you just skate away with that. Oh, which, which one? Well, I'll rewind the tape. <laughs> right, here we go. I found it. Uh, I know where the Columbus statue has been hidden. Well, let's reveal it. Let that cat oh, yeah. out of the bag. Yes. Oh, that- I understand it's in the basement of a certain institution in Chicago. A uh, famous institution. Uh, might be a museum. Uh, I, that's oh. what I. That's the rumor. That's what I've heard. Is it sort of swirled away in the basement of a museum. And yeah, it, it, it may be. Um it, but, you know, I've, it's as I think we alluded to in the last conversation, it, of course, is not the only statue that is at this point off of public view in Chicago. And there are, you know, the city and the park district, its sister agencies, they have a lot of not only do they I know we, we know the city owns a lot of empty land, uh, but they also own a lot of empty storage buildings. And so there's, you know, we like to imagine that Chicago has this sort of. Uh, Everybody, you know, Ben, I'm sure you've watched the great the great ending scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Where they, yes. they're wheeling, wheeling the ark in the in the wooden crate down the down the vast storeroom. And I always like to imagine that Chicago is a place like that where our uh, remnants of the Garrick Theater and various statues that are politically incorrect and uh, you know fragments of the Ogden Viaduct and all sorts of, of of Chicago buildings that have buildings and statuary and important art has been squirreled away in this vast underground warehouse. Sort of, I assume they built it near the deep tunnel. You know, they they carved it out of the <laughs> living living earth right there. But no, there's there is of course uh, no end of small storage facilities all over the city. And and now how much there is in those places, I don't know. Uh, as we talk to. Uh, as you and I have talked about separately, the mayor has put together this advisory commission that is going to look at all of Chicago's monuments and trying to decide which which might be most objectionable or, or whether it's, I, I assume there's going to be like some sort of spectrum of uh, inappropriateness and I, I, presumably slightly to the to the left is, is OK and to the right too much. You know, you're going to have to remove them. But um the I think that a lot of this stuff people don't even understand. There's there's remnants of, um, and it gets into the question of ownership. Sorry, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but 
uh, one of the famous things in, in, in broad preservation is the Viking ship. You know the Viking ship, Ben? Uh, yeah, where is the Viking? I, I wrote about the Viking ship once. Believe That's it or right. not, I wrote, I can't remember when I wrote about it, but I do remember writing about it sometime in the 90s, I want to say. Well, there you go. Yes, the, the, the brave late 19th century Norwegian, you know, reenactors sailed the Viking ship across the Atlantic Ocean to uh, evoke the, the journey of, of Leif Erikson, the, the first European discoverer of North America, and sailed it into Lake Michigan and sailed it up to the World's Fair. And, and of course, this is a, it's one of the few remnants of the World's Fair that still exists, or the 1893 fair that still exists. It's out in, it's Geneva, I believe. It's out in, in Geneva undercover. But uh, it doesn't look like it does in pictures, and that's because you got the Viking ship itself, but then you've got the removable head and tail, right? It had a carved, beautiful carved dragon head and tail. Um, those, of course, are actually owned by the friends of the Viking ship, but they're in storage at the Museum of Science and Industry. So it's, you know, the question of ownership, and, and that's where you get to the, back to the Columbus statues, right? Which is the city, I, I, I suppose the city owns them, and you, but, but owning title to something and then actually sort of the, the soft question of who really who really owns those things is something else. If you're the city of Chicago, you decide you're going to take a, a statue that was gifted by uh, a, a civic group. Uh, you're going to take that off public display. Does it still belong to the city, right? Does the city, should it be potentially returned? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think that there's some questions. There's a lot of questions that that commission should answer. You mentioned objectionable statues and memorials. Uh, what are some of them that you could think of offhand? Oh, well, the, you know, the, the, before the Columbus statues, it, it's actually funny. The Columbus statues, the protests that surround the Columbus statues are really evocative of the protests that were attracted by the Haymarket riot mm -hmm. uh, memorial, right? Which if, if you know your, your labor history in Chicago, you know, there was a, there was a riot in Haymarket square. It was quote unquote riot. It was a big protest. A bunch of, you know, protesters died. There were also Chicago police officers that died. And uh, there's a memorial to the martyrs of Haymarket Square. These are, of course, the labor activists. And that's out in the cemetery. Um, but then there was also a memorial that was commissioned that uh, stood in Haymarket Square near the site of this, this bomb going off. And, of course, what was it but a Chicago police officer uh, sort of standing lone sentry over the, you know, over the over the square, right? Law and order standing there in bronze on, on, a, on a limestone plinth. Um, well, this was, of course, something that attracted an enormous amount of protests from uh, organized uh, organized labor in particular. Um, you know, you can assume, right? Who who's uh, so in the 60s, I will tell you that there were multiple obviously splashed with red paint, just like uh, Columbus statue was. It was also it, it was standing eventually on the corner of um right at, at the corner of Haymarket Square at the, at the expressway, right? It was sitting right over the Kennedy and multiple times it was attempted to be sort of dynamited down off of its plinth and onto the Kennedy expressway, imagining this would, would destroy the statue. It's, it, when I describe it, it's, it's very evocative of, of the, of the activism that the Columbus statues are attracting today. And they uh, ultimately took that off of public display, but it's at the police headquarters or the police training facility. So that's, you know, it's, it's quote unquote, you know, visible, but it's visible to the, to the police department. And then uh, the other sort of famed one that's off public display is the, uh, well, I think we call it the Battle of Fort Dearborn, but it, one, it was called the Fort Dearborn Massacre at one point, and that's a, a battle between white settlers and, and uh, natives here in uh, the Chicago area uh, on the south, sort of south lakefront, right near Prairie Avenue, where Prairie Avenue is today. And that was a, uh, there was, it was one Native American uh, sort of fighting another, shielding a, a white woman settler and child, um, and that was, you know, deemed really sort of offensive. And it was pulled off of the, it, it was actually, it was actually donated to the city by, by Pullman, right? The railroad magnet. Mm -hmm. And it was sitting sort of at the end of the block by his house. And he ended up, uh, it ended up off a of public display and on, uh, it was in the history museum, 
right? They stuck it in the Vestibular History Museum. The granite plinth that was on, which was carved, I understand there's pieces of that in storage in some park facility. But, um, you know, you got you got pieces there and you got the statue in the History Museum. And then it was taken off display at the History Museum and uh, squirreled away in one of those warehouses I mentioned. So those would be the, sort of the two most famous statues. When uh, the mayor announced that she was putting it out of this committee, I don't know if she's named the people to the committee yet. I didn't uh, see that. But when she announced that, uh, there was a sort of a cynical reaction I had. And I've been around Chicago politics so long. I hate to admit this, uh, Andrew. I get very cynical from time to time. I'm very skeptical, I guess. Well, I've, I've, got that, I've got that sense from, from reading her columns. Man. Yeah, from time to time. Uh, but what I thought was just a sort of a skillful way uh, by a, a, a pretty smart mayor uh, to figure out, well, I am. I want to appease sort of both sides in the Columbus uh, statue uh, dispute by saying we're removing the Columbus statue until we figure out in general an overall policy for statues. (laughs) Like something I'm sure if you go back and look at Mayor Lori Lightfoot's uh, campaign papers and documents that she issued, all the issues that a mayoral candidate could have, I'll bet you there was no like – document regarding statues and memorials in Chicago. But, you know, things happen, as they say, when you're the mayor and you have to react. So now she realizes, she recognizes how important it is to deal with memorials and statues. First, they got to go find people to put on this committee. Uh, And then that gives them time a little to put this the statues, the offensive, quote unquote, statues uh, in hiding somewhere, uh, a witness uh, relocation, the protection program. Uh, so <laughs> we, we, I don't know. It's not so easy. The problem is they're bronze. Right. So it's really hard to give them a new identity. You just can like put a, a mustache on him and a little hat. Okay, it's, <laughs> I probably just walked by it the other day without realizing. Yeah, no, that's, that's um, not Columbus. That's just a guy. That's a that's a guy. It's Billy Columbus. Oh, yeah. All right. So what kind of recommendations, if you're going to be serious about this, uh, as opposed to being cynical, as I am, if you're going to be serious, serious about this uh, and you want to institute some guidelines and policies for a civilized city in the 21st century to follow, uh, what are some of the recommendations you would come up with? Me personally, I think I think that one of the most important things that we should be looking at here is is inclusivity more than exclusivity, right? So um, I think I alluded to this last time we spoke about statues, which was that at some point in the fairly recent past, I mean, I mean decades now, not a century, uh, the city decided that we simply had too much public art, right, or, or or too much art to just sort of let sort of willy nilly anybody put up a statue right on public land, raise money because, you know, a statue is expensive. Right. But but it's a doable thing. You can you can get a statue for, you know, thirty five to fifty thousand dollars. You can get yourself a a bronze statue. Right. So a a significant um, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, uh, If you're organized enough as a community, you can work to build a statue. And I understand, for example, there was one uh, that the Puerto Rican community in, in Humboldt Park did in fact uh, get a statue. Um, they organized themselves and they got a statue of, of one of their great uh, sort of revolutionary leaders. Um, the name, I, I don't want to sort of butcher the name, but uh, Ocampos uh, was the, was Ocampos. the boss. Yes. And he, they, that statue, they, they wanted, of course, to put that statue in Humboldt Park. And my my perspective on that would be there's some justice to that, right? We In Humboldt Park today, we have two different statues to Germans, right? One of whom is Alexander von Humboldt, the, the, the park's namesake. Uh, and those were both essentially funded the same way that the Ocampo statue was funded uh, by, you know, pr- uh, organized German community that lived around Humboldt Park. 
the Fritz Reuter statue is there as well, and uh, Leif Erikson. So why not a statue to the, the Puerto Rican community? And the, in the end, they were just essentially told, no, you know, and a lot of that comes down to maintenance, right? Whether that's uh, removal of graffiti, these statues do tend to attract tagging, uh, and they are works of art. So it's, it, they require regular maintenance and care. And so the, I think that the Park District in particular, they've got a lot of art to keep an eye on, and they don't really want anymore. Now, I think that if you're there as a statue in commission, now there's, there's certainly a comp- a several statues, and maybe Columbus is among them, that should not be on public display any longer. But I think if you're really going to strive for inclusivity, you're going to need to sort of identify uh, opportunities to recognize the newer immigrant populations that have made a lot of Chicago, recent Chicago history important. And you know, that's that I think is that is what the commission should be focused on. And I, I, I hope they will focus on that. I suspect they will focus a lot on, you know, monuments and statues are very visible things. Right. And, and sometimes they blend away into the into the background and we don't notice they're there. And other times they're right in your face. But well, I got to go ahead. Yeah. Finish your thought. Go no, no it just it, it says a lot about who we are as a city. If we're going to make room for. Uh, I mean, honestly, my looking forward, you want to talk about equity? If we're going to make room uh, over the life of our city or since 1830, whatever, 1833, we're going to uh, make room for Germans. We're going to make room for Norwegians and Polish and Swedes and everybody else to have a statue. Uh, Maybe we ought to maybe we ought to think about the immigrant groups that have that have, you know, been an important part of Chicago from 1950 onward and allow them the same opportunity that that was allowed, you know, and not suggest that the city is a thing that's frozen in amber uh, and that we're trying to preserve and protect forever. Just yeah, I, I and just briefly on the compost statue that you alluded to in Hubble yeah. Park, I actually wrote about that too. I, I know I wrote about that Norwegian I did that boat. I can't believe it. I can't remember, but the compost statue I remember very well. It was controversial because he's a leftist figure, mm-hmm. uh, and the head—I well, forget the commissioner in the city of Chicago, a Cuban American, uh, and had obviously Cuban American of strong feelings, uh, opposition to uh, Fidel Castro, and linked mm-hmm. uh, compost to Castro in his mind and was objective to it, used his influence and clout with the Richard Daly's administration to block it from going in, uh, uh, into uh, Humboldt Park. And Daly was in the middle of that one because Luis Gutierrez wanted it there. So this was kind of like uh, the Columbus statue uh, controversy, only the reverse, where the main objector was uh, a conservative uh, voice. Uh, and uh, that was part of the reason. That was a very contentious debate. Uh, so, yeah, these things, it, they're very troublesome if you make the groups feel passionately one way or another. Uh, and as you were saying, the city has to figure out, uh, you know, um, a, a neutral way to go about this. Uh, I, right now I'm trying to figure out, is there any other statue I, that you can think of that has the yes. potential just any other particular one right now. I can't think of any, but then again, I don't have the the knowledge that you do. No, I'm any- trying. To, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You know, we've got. Uh, there might have been a time people might have thought that uh, badly about Alexander Hamilton, right? But uh, we, we've uh, Lin Manuel Miranda has maybe solved that problem. Um, you know, there's there's always people that will complain about George Washington. You know, I, I, I he he like most of our founding figures has a mixed legacy, but uh, I don't think that anyone has the potential to attract as much. Uh, you know, I think Columbus's link to the founding of the United States was a tenuous one to begin with. Yeah. And so it becomes very, very difficult to defend a figure who never set foot on any part of what is today the United States. Right. Why, why, why are we, why are we putting up statues to such a person when they, uh, 
uh, you know, when they're so reviled by, by, you know, I mean, really reviled by a certain segment of the population. I also think it's worth noting that the statuary in general, it's changed, right? The way that we the way that we honor things has changed. And so a uh, hundred years ago, 120 years ago, we would build these statues that were very much like on the European mold, right? Big uh, equestrian statues and you know, enormous bronzes, lifelike recreations of historical figures. And now we're, we're, we're doing monuments and statuary. That's I, I, I want to say off. And again, it's just off the top of my head, but there's a, there's a monument to Jane Adams, right? But it's, yeah. it's not a monument. It's not a statue of Jane Adams in the same way that we had a statue of Columbus. It's, it's a bunch of, it's, it's, it's stylized hands. Right. And so that, that was, that was funded and gifted to the city, but, and so the question is maybe as we look at this sort of inclusivity, whether there's whether we also need to be thinking about the way that statues and art are presented, because the way that you read a statue of an Alexander von Humboldt or a Columbus and the way that you read a, a memorial to Jane Adams, uh, they aren't they aren't as in your face with who they're who they're honoring. Right. And so maybe we need to be thinking about finding a way to to more realistically represent those people. Uh, in, in in lifelike terms. Uh, by the way, my suggestion, which I've made before uh, about George Washington, simply change the name of every uh, tribute to George Washington. Just change the first name to Harold. Let's call it a day. And we'll just make him Harold Washington. The street we Harold Washington. The high school will be Harold Washington. There we go. I figured it out. Well, that's that's a great, uh, I mean, that's a great scenario. I mean, that's a great suggestion, though. Who, 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 who doesn't love Harold? Yeah, who didn't love Harold? Well, a lot of people didn't love him when he first ran for office. <laughs> there you, you can't, you know, he, he barely, he squeaked into office. It's one of those things, uh, almost, I think 90%, uh, no, that's not true, about 80% of the white people in the city voted uh, for Bernie Epton. They did not vote for Harold Washington. And within two years, you couldn't find any of them to admit it. Oh, oh no, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, if you don't know a lot about history, it's easy to imagine. What is it they say? It's easy to imagine that you would have been on the right side of it. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, all right, let's uh, close this down by switching to a, just a, a slightly different topic. I told you I was going to ask you about this. Uh, as I said, you're um, with the Logan Square Preservation Association just east of you. It's an interesting debate going on with uh, what to do with the shredder uh, that exists at uh, General Irons, the facility, uh, the junkyard facility off of Clybourne. Uh, this is a fascinating story, uh, Andrew, about a way a city changes, a way a neighborhood changes, and the city's attitude about what certain neighborhoods uh, should and should not accept and tolerate. Like, what's a fit use for a certain neighborhood? And it, it's like a subterranean attitude that a city has that uh, is um, very revealing, but people don't talk about it. So north side of Chicago uh, back about 40 years ago, it was a working class area, maybe 50 years ago. Time is passing fast, at 70s, but this is Lincoln Park. Uh, working class area, uh, Puerto Ricans, blacks, working class whites. And uh, there was an industrial. To the, east, though, to the east, you know, increasingly prosperous, uh, increasingly gentrifying Lincoln Park. Increasingly gentrifying Lincoln Park, encroaching uh, a, a manufacturing zone in the 80s and early 90s. The city made a move to preserve the manufacturing zone on the idea that we need to preserve good manufacturing jobs in the city. Uh, that preservation has expired. And, and the real estate interest is like, all right, beat it. We want to develop this area. Oh, ben, wait, wait, wait. Expired expired that's a that is a euphemism the, the, that pmd was removed thank that was you not, 
That was there was no expiration. That was an act of political will that, you know, look, those I I, I, I sit correct. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I'm not, you know, but it's it is something that excites me. Right. Which is that those those businesses. I mean, look, if you look at our our tax base, industrial businesses consume less in services and they pay a higher rate of taxes. Uh, and that PMD protected those industrial, not only those industrial jobs, but that industrial business and industrial tax base. And it left our government officials in that, yes, the increasingly wealthy Lincoln Park might not like the manufacturing zone, but the PMD made it so that our, our public officials, our policymakers could essentially shrug their shoulders and say, look, it's a planned manufacturing district. Maybe you got a, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, you should like learn to live with the devil, you know, uh, who knows what would go in there if we shut down business X, Y, or Z. And with, you know, powerful real estate interests pushing and pushing and pushing, I had somebody once tell me, they said, oh, Andrew, you know, I know that you hate the, the Lincoln Yards proposal, which I do, I find it loathsome. But they said, that, uh, this was, I know they said this is a there's a TIF subsidy. There's the like total lack of urban anyway, urban planning of any kind. But um, the, uh, the I, I heard it and, and they said, uh, you know, Andrew, you're just you're just you know, you're, you're just being mad. And, and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to develop that area. And I said, ah, yes, the problem is it was already developed. Um, it, it, it didn't need to be developed, but uh, that ship has sailed. And so now we're seeing with with the renewed push to remove General Iron, uh, we're, we're seeing what, what happens, right? Is that th- this was a loathed business and a whole corridor of loathed businesses and a well-heeled community didn't want to deal with it. And with the removal of the PMD, there was very little stopping them from continuing to ratchet up pressure on the city and their elected officials. I mean, look at that first... I remember looking at those when the city switched to the council, switched to those digital meetings. And all of a sudden you had a ton of people attending city council meetings and an enormous amount of people there to complain about general iron. Uh, what I mean, suddenly, I guess we're able to, to zoom in to the conference, uh, to the council meeting and, and make their voices heard to shut down general iron. Yeah, so they're going to shut down. That's a great riff, by the way. The, and the, the riff on the Lincoln Yards really delighted me. Yes, I oh love it. Uh, and so General Iron actually is across the Chicago River from the aforementioned uh, Lincoln Yard development, which is a TIF-funded project, $1.3 billion. I'm really resisting the urge to go off on a riff on that TIF project. Andrew, I feel like I'm just going to exercise more self-control when I think about it. That's good. Uh, I was, uh, but so I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this. Uh, General Iron was there forever. The area changed. I know there's powerful real estate interests uh, in the city have decided, all right, the the industries have served their usefulness. Now beat it. I want to develop this uh, land. It seems like the aldermen are in their back pocket. It seems like the planning department is in their back pocket. Definitely the last mayor uh, was in their back pocket pocket uh, that would be Rahm Emanuel uh, so they got their way and uh, now there's pressure on General Iron to leave uh, and so the city's solution and this is only in Chicago I know what we're gonna do we have this uh, scrap yard that nobody in the north side likes you know uh, this is what we'll do we'll move it to the south side and well, we got <laughs> who this cares land about right that? Indiana right we got this land right, right, right by Indiana yeah. Right, right by that Columbus statue down there in the southeast side. That's right. They don't know what's going on. That's right. Nobody knew Columbus was there. They all forgot about it. If we're lucky, they'll they'll think we moved General Iron right out of the state. <laughs> so they got such a low estimation of people on the south side of Chicago. Now, not only do they think they'll welcome uh, with welcome arms the the operation that the people on the north side hated, but they like just. Don't think they 
Maybe they won't even know about it. They don't know what's going on. Well, this, this is the getting planning to- in the city of Chicago. So they're moving it down there. I, Andrew, I'm just I, like, I'm not no, quite sure what to say. I know. I think that that we're we're, we're it, it has a remarkable symmetry with our earlier conversation about the Columbus statue, right? Which is, uh, and, and and the high school down there, which which is we we barely those those people with power and influence and money in this city barely even acknowledge that as a as a section of the city of Chicago, right? And, but I think what's what's really frustrating um, is the hypocrisy of of some of our elected officials over there. That you know, look, I, I understand you get elected by a certain constituent group, and they're your primary constituents but if this is too dirty too polluting too just too offensive of a business to be located uh, adjacent to a residential area that should be any residential area right you're not and if you're an alderman you're not an alderman of just your ward you're an alderman of the city of chicago and you should you should think not only certainly your ward should come first but you shouldn't if it's if it's not good enough for your ward how can it be good enough for some other residential area that's what I would. That's what I would posit, right? That we should we should be regarding, we should have a, a uniform standard across this whole city. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> that's not uh, that is not the case. But I mean, look, you know, as we've pushed for the Chicago River to be cleaned up, certainly the North Branch has been an enormous beneficiary of that. And the the removal of all of those industrial businesses along the North Branch is just going to continue that. Um, or herbs and hordo idea create a wonderful urban waterway. Um, it's it it will be beautiful. There's no question about that. But aren't we just doubling down on the dynamic that's created two Chicago's? Yes, we absolutely are. Couldn't have said it better. And in, in that Lincoln Yards development, there was a, a, a city of Chicago. A fleet facility. Uh, you could go. It was across the street from the hideout. All those dump trucks were there. That's where they kept their dump trucks. And the city of Chicago, under Mayor Rahm, moved the facility to the south side, uh, opening up that land to be developed. Now, because of the pandemic, uh, Sterling Bay, which owns the land, is. Uh, they got all these great plans for Lincoln Yards, and they got a promise to be subsidized $1.3 billion. I don't know what's going to come there, and uh, neither do you, Andrew, I think. No, don't know where but I do think it's slowed down. There's no question about that. Uh, I, but I will say, you know, just want to briefly mention that the – the, the the metal shredder that the the you mentioned the fleet and facilities management yard and I, I just have to I can't every time that thing comes up it makes me crazy because I, I've I'm, I've I the city notes that you know there was a big story and I think the Sun Times broke it about there being a, a, a higher dollar offer for that than what Sterling Bay offered the city right mm-hmm. and, yeah. and the city said well yeah but that higher dollar offer came with a zoning contingency. Right. Which sounds fine if you're a developer buying from a private party. But if you're the city of Chicago, zoning authority is yours. Right. Yes. So so to say, well, this zoning contingency, we don't know what what zoning will the city give uh, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on here. Why don't we go ahead and decide now what zoning we're going to assign the property and then we'll put it out there. And, and you know, what's funny if we increase the zoning density that's allowable there, the property will actually be worth more. Yeah. Maybe we can do that rather than putting this out and playing this game 
where we pretend that we don't have authority over over literally the city could have could have written a number on the bottom of that of the paper and said this is what it's worth because we're agreeing as a as a con, as a contingency of the sale that we are going to grant this zoning to it right and they could have achieved an actual highest and best dollar value instead they just i mean i think it's obvious to anybody with half a brain or two brain cells to rub together that the uh, the city wanted to sell it to Sterling Bay that's it yeah, the city wanted to sell it. You're absolutely correct. Uh, in the old days, they would call that a greased deal uh, in Chicago, and uh, and when when they did it, this is this is how Mayor Rahm was. They spun it. Uh, they go, "Good news for the south side of Chicago. They're getting a fleet facility. Let's go live to Billy Bob and then, like the media. Oh, here I am at 67th and Wentworth. Great news! The dump trucks are coming here. <laughs> Meanwhile, they open up the north side for development as condos. Right. Oh, and we're gonna guess what? We're gonna run. Uh, we'll be able to run the, the the paving trucks right through McKinley Park, where the where we just built, permitted a new matte asphalt plant. Right, and we can pick up our asphalt and me you know move from from the from the fleet facilities managing yard pick up the asphalt mckinley park and drive it up to the north side nobody will ever have to see any of those (laughs) operations our streets are just they're paved magically right and they're it's magic and the metal you know the people going through our yards going through our alleys where we just push metal out into the alleys and the the trucks magically arrive and carry our metal away we'll just drive it down to indiana or someplace close there i don't know where the the border's fuzzy down there well, I, I will say this, uh, today's uh, Chicago Tribune, and when I say today, we're uh, talking on August 14th, Friday, August 14th, uh, has a front page article in the Tribune, Michael Hawthorne, we've been a dumping ground for too long, citing environmental racism, South East Side activists file civil rights complaint versus city regarding uh, the Shredder and General Ryan's. So this story is not over, uh, but uh, it just shows you know, just a level of cynicism on the part of the people who do the planning in Chicago. There's like these underlying assumptions about how uh, the city should be developed. So fleet facility, South side. Shredder, far. Oh, wow. Hold on one second. Mayor Rahm, I've told you a million times, don't call me when I'm on the air, okay? Sorry about that. I don't know who that's. So I think that's a bill collector. Uh, so anyway, Rom's going. Ah, that's not fair. Uh, you're not being fair to the South Side. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's I. I I wish them well on the far southeast side. Oh, you know, it, but it's, it's right to think about, Ben, not only the fact that we've the, they talk about environmental racism and the, just the general attitude like, hey, you know, the southeast side, they should take whatever we get. But, you know, looking at things, a city, you know, our, our motto, right? Herbs and Hordo, city in a garden. The intent was to make Chicago a beautiful, physically beautiful place. Right. And it's the idea is that your your built environment, your surroundings, your your roads and your parkways and your, your trees, your parks, your statuary. Right. This is this is something that's innately tied and intimately tied with your experience of the city and that your surroundings will elevate you and elevate your life, elevate your experience. Right. And so I one of the things I thought about when they were thinking, well, well, they'll remove the statue from from the southeast side, uh, the Columbus statue, I thought, good gracious, I certainly hope they'll put something back. Right. Something of something of beauty. Right. I mean, because that whether or not leaving aside the legacy Columbus has. Right. You, these statues and monuments, they're they're little like exclamation points on our on our roadway. And they're these beautiful things that elevate our experience of our communities. And 
you know, it'd be sure be nice if maybe we put a statue back there that celebrates, you know, uh, the labor history that that is so Sue Garza is so emblematic of. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe we maybe that's an opportunity for the southeast side to to, to something for them to celebrate. Um, but, you know, my my worry is always that, hey, we'll just take the statue down. Maybe we'll take the neo-gothic plinth down, too. And we'll just well, you know what? You know what? It looked nice there. What about a, what about a pedestrian island? Right. In about 15 years, we'll have 10 foot tall weeds growing up between the cracks. And then, you know, it'll be nice. Herbs and Horto. Uh, that is a great a riff to close down the segment with. Andrew Schneider went on a riff there, and uh, that's why he's going to have a great podcast when he gets it together with Dr. D to put it together. Uh, so, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to bring you back on uh, next month, regular basis, get you talking not just about preservation, but about land use issues, zoning, and all that kind of thing in the city of okay. Chicago. Sounds great. I love being on the show. All right. That's the great Andrew Schneider. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.